let us remember the words of Psalm 118, 22 to 24. The same stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. On this day the Lord has acted. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Wow. All these scriptures about forgiveness and songs about forgiveness, we have a reason to celebrate, don't we? Yeah. Forgive from your heart. <clears throat> the gospel reading ended with this solemn statement, So also my heavenly Father would do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Most of us have grown up hearing stories and sermons about the emphasis that Jesus placed on interpersonal forgiveness that we should and must forgive each other. However, I don't remember anyone pointing out to me just how radical this teaching by Jesus was. With the possible exception of the Old Testament reading today, the story of Joseph forgiving his brothers, which really places the emphasis more on the sovereignty of God than on forgiveness. There is little or nothing about forgiving each other in the Old Testament. The radical new concept that Jesus taught was not an add-on. He did not offer it as an upgrade. Neither did he present this teaching about forgiving one another as something only the most zealous and devout followers should seek to experience. He makes it a basic principle that everyone in the kingdom of heaven must practice and experience. So also my heavenly Father would do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Remember Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 that if you come to present your gift on the altar, then remember that, that you have offended a brother or sister. The, you're to leave your offering and go be reconciled with the one who has an offense against you and then present your offering. It may seem that I'm switching topics from talking about forgiveness to reconciliation. But how can you really separate these two experiences? Because that's what we're really talking about. Experience, not abstract ideas or lofty ideals. The kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom where the last become first. The leader is a servant. The most powerful submits to suffering. The lion becomes a lamb slain. The only perfect and sinless one becomes sin, and life overcomes death. Reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled himself to, uh, to himself. Who, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them.
in entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ's teaching about the importance of us practicing and receiving forgiveness is not just to make us a better person. It is the fundamental principle of life and the kingdom of God. When someone fails to pray for God to transform their heart, to remove the hard stony heart that holds on to the hurts and offenses of the past, that desires justice and even vengeance, they're failing to trust the love of God or the heart of God or the power of God. They choose to live in the darkness and pain instead of allowing God to deliver them into the kingdom of light and bring healing and peace to their soul. Today, modern psychology understands the crucial role that forgiveness plays in one's mental health. And there have been many movies and novels that deal with the struggle of those victimized by others struggling to find a way to forgive those who wronged them or maybe resisting forgiveness. Some of the best feel-good movies are those that wrap up all the tension and bitterness and resentment with a sweeping emotional scene in which the absolution of the abuser is granted by the victim. We are wired to desire not only justice but vengeance. And often it seems completely wrong to counsel someone to forgive the one or ones who have so horribly mistreated them. Unfortunately, today, too often well-meaning Christians have advised an abused wife to not only forgive her abusive husband, but to stay in the home, risking future harm and even death. Let me be clear today. I do not advocate such nonsense. The first priority should always be to ensure the weak are protected from the abusive and to help them find a safe environment to live. Only when they're living free from the threat of more harm can they begin to heal and to find a path toward more wholeness in their life. And yes, to be subjected to be subjected to frequent verbal assault or manipulation that produces mental and emotional turmoil inflicts trauma upon the victim and is also abuse. Once a person has been rescued from an abuser then they can be encouraged to seek a path that will lead them forward to being able to forgive the abuser from their heart. Only in extending total forgiveness can they begin to experience real freedom from the dominating power of the disorder and insanity they were subjected to. Only then can they experience the wonder of their chains falling off and experience a new life. Remember that our goal is to always inspire each person to experience the reality of the gospel. One that not only saves us from hell but also to a holy calling, a life filled with experience in God's purpose and grace. Sunday before last, when I preached the last time, 
I talked about Peter needing a change of perspective because he was seeking the interest of man and not God's interest. His, his eyes were on the things of this world and they were not focused on the things of God. The eyes of this world are focused on justice here and now. And as believers, we need to be advocates of just laws and economics and policies. We certainly want to pray and work for evil or violent or illegal schemes to be exposed and stopped. However, I believe it's a mistake to place the policies and politics of this world above the conditions of the heart. The actions that we take should be an overflow of the conditions within our heart. Today we have spotlighted the choice to forgive, to let go of the hurt and sometimes even rage that rises up whenever we go back to the painful incidents of our past when we were harmed or mistreated. This is a condition that is difficult to gauge the condition of the heart. Often there is little or no outward signs of the true condition of the heart. This is also the reason why many times we resort to a list of rules to keep or some required achievements to attain to instead of focusing on the, the condition of our heart. Nevertheless, the true condition of our heart seeps out. It shows up unexpectedly in ways that we did not foresee or expect. Let's take the words of Christ seriously and pray for the power and love of God to enable us to practice them in a selfless and trustworthy manner as possible. If you will, close your eyes, but open the eyes of your heart to hear this good news. Jesus did come to wipe out all hunger and disease and injustice. And Christ has overcome the final enemy. He has trampled down death by death. Reading again from 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 8 to 12. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share and the suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher which is why I suffer as I do but I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me the highest knowledge and the deepest, most grounded experience on earth is available right now. God loves you. He has forgiven you and has declared you not guilty. He is not mad at you nor ashamed of you. In fact, he delights in you and longs for you to turn the eyes of your heart toward him. May we experience the goodness and love of God in such an 
unexpected and overwhelming way that it stops us in our tracks, takes our breath away, and allows those things that are hidden deep in our heart to seep outward to produce in us the fruit of good works. It really doesn't get any better than that. Amen. Let's stand together and declare our common faith in the Nicene Creed.